Damn it, Nick. I love being on here with you guys, Nick and Joe. I really appreciate it. Literally too long didn't read. TLDR, you guys are awesome. So, Joe, there's a book, there's a few books that we talked about at the very beginning of this show that I would say, like, kind of helped define TLDR. Um, because there, there was there's some books, right, that we that we talk about that maybe weren't on our radars. But then there's another book that maybe I wanted to read, but then didn't know, didn't necessarily want to give it a didn't know if I should give it a look or not. But then I have you and you helped me out with that. And one of those books is coming to an end. And thankfully, we have the author joining the writer for the series joining us to talk about it. Joe, who is returning to TLDR today? All right. Well, he joins a long list of guests who have, I don't know why they keep coming back, but they do. But today we have Kieran Gillen. Uh, Kieran, how are you doing, my friend? I'm delighted to be back. It's always nice to be invited, isn't it? It's hotel. If you're invited back, it implies I didn't accidentally like offend everybody. <laughs> so, like, you know, That's my job. <laughs> so, so I wanted to to start off uh, with with this particular because, as Nick mentioned, you know, in the intro there, when we first started doing the show, Once in Future was one of the first books that I talked about, and. It's funny that we're having you on now because I believe the last time you were on was almost exactly to the day a year ago when we were discussing the finale of Die. And both Die and Once in Future have a very special place in my heart because I had taken a long break from comic books. And those were two books that when I started getting back into things, they really, really pulled me in. So talking about the end of those two books uh, is very bittersweet for me. And, and I'm, you know, just a reader what has it been like for you within a 12 month span to bring two epic books and and two great cast of characters those stories uh to a conclusion i thought like for me once you get to a certain point in the story you're writing for the end so as you kind of know where you're going to leave it like um so in other words it, there's a sense of completion there as in i'll tell you what's and the other thing is, despite, you know, obviously it's really important, but Die is really, Die is really personal and, and once a future went to places I would never imagined. But like, I finished Wicked, and when I finished Wicked Divine, that was the big kind of, okay, this was five years, so it's bigger mm -hmm. in length, and I had a really weird, like, leaving routine. So that was my first leaving a big, long career own project. So the fact that I've done it before, means it doesn't quite send me completely do lally as it previously did. As it is now, it's much more the satisfaction of, oh yeah, now I finally show you what I was thinking about. You know, and that's the good side of it. And that kind of, there's definitely writers who kind of don't do that as much, as in they kind of make it, they don't know where they're heading. I don't mean in a bad way. I think that's a really cool way to write. But for me, it's like, here's the whole picture. What do you make of it now? So it's, um, and it's almost like I can speak freely about it then. You know what I mean? Mm. Always as freely as I want to. Yeah. But yeah. I don't have to say, hey, that bit, you know, five issues in, what was that about then? Because it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't have to keep secrets anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which, but it's lovely. It's it's, and it's terrible. doing a long series like you know, Die was twenty issues and really like twenty five, and Once the Future's thirty. Like that's not easy, you know. In the, actually getting there, it's achievement. You know, there's a string of, and I've done it, I've done it several times now, which is kind of feel like I've somehow survived, which is nice. <laughs> we pull it off. <laughs> so was there um, was there uh, you know, but a, a difficulty? Uh, you know, saying goodbye to this particular series uh, at all? I know you just sort of said it. You know, you you. You've got this sort of, you've done it before, so it definitely kind of gets easier for you. But this, you know, you said die was very personal for you, but this, this was a very complicated story. Was yeah. there, was there, was there like, and some of the characters that you created are some of my all time favorites in this. Was there, 
Was there any difficulty or what was the toughest part you would say saying goodbye to this particular book? I think the toughest part because the fact, I mean, I'm not somebody who tends to write simpler books just because of where my brain does. I always add an extra complication. And I, I was like, I've got, I pretty much got a note over my computer saying edit, edit. Uh, and, but when you get to the end, I always describe it as like the, um, okay, what do I tie together? There's a lot of balls in the air. What am I going to catch? What's going to become meaningful? What do I have space for? It's like, um, and what's, you know, what's necessary and what's just kind of uh, nice. And that's how you end up choosing what, how it sort of solves the equation. Um, in the case of Once the Future, the fact it was, Dai had a very um, firm idea what it was going to be for me off. Like uh, it was really like, it was re robustly the space I was exploring. Once the Future was like more improvisational. I mean, like, you know, I had a lot of material I wanted to touch and I had characters I loved, um, but I was going to throw them in a blender and see what happened. And that's the interesting thing, you know what I mean? Because it's a very different challenge. And the fact it's ended up, I think, obviously, it's a frustrating point to talk because obviously you haven't read the final issue yet. But like when, you, when it's all sort of tied into the, the bow, it's like, it feels quite planned. You know, yeah. that's kind of like, makes me very happy as a writer. And as a making my collaboration with Dan and Tamara and Ed. Mm. Um, but it's also a very different one. Like Die, okay, Wick Div, there was never a room for a sequel. Die is complicated, but it's, it's a closed entity, as in that story is over. Mm -hmm. And what's the future? I said this early on, but it feels probably for the first time in the sort of books I've created, they feel like a character with legs to them. By which I mean, like, you know, Spider-Man, yes. you plug in Spider-Man Adventures forever. You know, Bridget and Duncan, or specifically Bridget especially, you could do her, you know, throw her against a monster indefinitely. So, like, whilst we've got an ending, it's like, it wouldn't surprise me if I returned to these characters in a completely different book down the line. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It feels like this is the end of this story, and maybe we'll be back. And I must admit, you know, there's still ideas in my head with different characters and stuff. So mm -hmm. like, um, it feels more like a, a gym is the wrong, because I don't want to overpromise I'm definitely going to be back. It's also a firm ending. There's never ever another page of the comic. It's a good ending. Yes, 100%. But, but at the same time, oh, have you read the final issue yet? Yeah, so we yes, did. We yeah, yes, we did. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so this, we should have told you this before. This will be coming out the day that the final issue drops. So at some point, we'll like make sure, like we like if you want to get spoilery, we'll we'll make a note in the in the like show notes and everything like that. But we're not, like we're staying spoiler free. Okay, cool. When we go, there we go. Let's go. You're the first people I've talked to who've actually read the end to outside. Oh, the so, yeah, like, it was really great. Thank you, thank you. Now I could, you know, I'm, I'm glad it worked for you. But, you know what I mean? Like, there's room for those characters, at least the characters who survive, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, to uh, do more stuff. But, but it still feels like an ending. I'm, I'm really we'll, proud of it. We'll give you more of a take because I definitely have like a take, and I but it, it did really like it because there's a specific thing that you did that I feel like other people, like just in other stories, they wouldn't have done. But we'll we'll get to that. Um, We'll get to that a little bit later, but like early on, right? This was originally a six issue run, right? That was like, so can you take us through that whole early stages? Because if it goes from this initial thing of just being six issues to this crazy, you know, indie comics hit series that like, Joe and I just would love to see turn into a show or a movie or something to that end too. And just like, every week is one of the things we're looking every month. One of the things we're looking forward to most. Thank you. Um, I'd say the, the original plan was six issues. And it was always kind of pitched as um, movies was the idea. I said, you know, we'll do six issues, maybe come back, do another one. So like each of the six issues would be more self-contained, but like also have a statement. Um, so, you know, I had basically the original, in fact, the first three arcs I had, and they were basically first arc, Arthur, second arc, Beowulf. So expanding it slightly. Third arc, kind of Beowulf versus Arthur was my original idea. We ended up in a different place than that and mm -hmm. probably ending in the, and I knew the, the wasteland would end there. As in, like, and they fail, and the earth gets dragged into the thing, and that's a, you know, and then so when we decided to make it ongoing, it became much more okay. I'm just going to hit the material running, 
See what I mean? So I already knew roughly where I'd be going to issue 18. But then it was like both, you know, I had the big plots, but I also like had room to explore the characters. Like I kind of, I definitely hit a part like around issue. The further I got into like eight, nine, I was like, oh, I, ne I need to change Rosa. You know, um, and that was very important for the second art, third art to put more weight on Rose. Yeah. Um, and also um, uh, Mary, like, you know, what's really going on with Mary? Come on, we've got to put it on the page. So you, you got in the third art, you've got those, towards some of my favourite material, like when Rose and Mary are all facing off against each other with the, you know, telling each other's origins. Mm -hmm. um, so like, that's the difference. This is what I say. It's a mixture between knowing what I was doing is like being the big scale and then the process of discovery through it. And I thought we could end at 18. I was always aware, like, you know, let's just give it a down ending. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> but then it was like, actually, that, you know, I could think that's a pretty good status quo to explore, you know, and uh, the idea, let's turn into this sort of um, magical Walking Dead and it ended up being a lot more playful than Walking Dead. Like, there's, a, mm. you know, you get some <laughs> oh, of the yeah. energy there, the survivalist, but it's got, it's kind of, yes. As I said, I think I've said this somewhere, but um, I think early enough, I want to make it grounded. I want to make it really uh, like gritty to begin. And it's kind of a bit gritty ish, maybe on the first two issues. Mm. And then you're like five issues in and uh, or six issue seven, when you've got the bit where Bridget and the, the whole crew fly, climb into the arrow that shot at the giant robotic. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I, I think I've lost the grim and gritty low key aspects. This, this story. <laughs> you know what? Point. You know, I, you did get, it got very fantastical, but every time I look at Arthur, every time I look at Galahad, like you still have that like nastiness to it. And then like uh, the, the, one of the images from this series that is oh, seared yeah. in my brain is when Bridget is out on the porch shooting the at the, the crows. Like I'll never forget yeah. that. I mean, Dan Moore, obviously, and, and Tamara Bonville. I mean, what an amazing art team. You're spoiled having them too. But yeah, there was still like that was still very much like, and I, I would imagine most readers are gonna have that stuck in their head. That's what for me is like, okay, partially the reason we end up going bigger and bigger is it's Dan. Like, mm -hmm. why wouldn't I draw stuff for Dan to, it's always it definitely hit a point where it's like, what can I make Dan draw this issue? Because he's clearly, you know, he's one of the action storytellers of his generation. He's only got better as the run's gone on. Okay, what new lunacy can we make him draw on the page? And that's like so you want to go big but my aesthetic's always the, the personal stuff you know like let's make you know because that's what for me that's what grounds the, the the matter it goes you have you know like stuff like the date in the woods um, the confession of the um the the far right guy to bridget the, like the deathbed confession you know the uh the bit with the, the crows all that kind of small stuff makes the big stuff real for me you know mm -hmm. um so I'm, I'm glad it that and that for me is always about the, the mix of stuff um did i answer the previous question about how it became the thing yeah, so like a mixture between planning and discovery, and it just became a kind of like, oh no, this is a cool thing to do next. And of course, you can sort of see. I think I probably knew the ending, like quite. I didn't know all the details of the ending, but the kind of the uh, Bridget's plan, that was mm. obviously that set up explicitly in issue twenty four or twenty five, I think. And awesome. then, um, but I knew that way in advance. Like Nick mentioned, you know, it was only supposed to be you know six issues, and then you said you kind of had the first three arcs planned out, and then you kind of had changed it a little bit. As you went along, what what I loved about Die, especially early on in those first two arcs, is you got this, you know, this, you know, Arthur Arthurian, Arthurian. I, I can't pronounce. It's early in the morning for, for me. <laughs> this King Arthur story, and then you start to bring in other literary characters, as you mentioned, you know, Beowulf. And so, two things here. One is, when did you decide that you wanted to start bringing in, you know, more and more? you know, literary characters. And then at what point, like you said, like, oh, I could edit at 18 and have it kind of be a real bummer. But what was the real, what, at what point did you decide, 
okay, I'm taking this to 30. This is exactly how I want to end it. It was kind of like, I think it was when I had the idea of like, let's do multiple offers. Because we've already got a bit of that because the whole kind of offer doesn't realize the offer we follow is our offer is, is like an early offer. So he doesn't know who Lancelot is, that kind of vibe. So I really had, and when you meet Lancelot, he's got this, um, we give him a different aspectic. Um, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I said, Dan's a huge Power Rangers fan. So I basically did weirdo Power Ranger uh, French. Uh, you know, so we've got this aspectic already. So we've got a threads of this. And it's like, okay, no, let's go full in. Because the idea of like, you know, if Arthur wins, Arthur's going to lose. That's the way my stories kind of work. So it's the idea of these Arthurs in this wrestling over who's the real Arthur. Well, of course, none of them are the real Arthur. And that's the weird tragedy of it all. That, that was going to, oh no, that, a, a civil war between the Arthurs, that's got meat. And that allows me to give a backdrop to like Bridget and Duncan trying to bring it down. Um, so that's, you know what I mean? Like, and it, I'm bringing in Beowulf. It was, I mean, I must say, I didn't do this as much as I thought it was going to do. This is a good example. Like, uh, Beowulf became much a smaller thing in the story. Mm-hmm. But Beowulf versus Arthur, I thought that's cool in a kind yeah. of Batman versus Superman kind of way. Yeah. And we, uh, and we, you know, we got that in the back. We really got that in the history. In the last issue, Merlin says something about how Beowulf gets trapped. He got trapped in the first time. And that's, that, that's the thing. That could have been a yeah. whole bigger story. I did that. You know, I could have made that a much bigger thing. Uh, but me mentioning it in passing is me just tying that up because I set that up and I was like, if you're wondering, this yeah. is what was going on there. But we're not doing that big part of the plot. And that's the fun. I mean, also a game. I, I, I find myself thinking, what's the future? It's probably the closest you'll get to me running a game for you because that's how I run a role-play campaign. You actually throw lots. You, mm. Okay, this is cool. Let's see where this goes. And you explore and you tie it to a, a denouement. I mean, yeah. like, I tell you, obviously you've read the last issue. I don't. We're not quite at the spoiler zone yet. No, but the whole the whole sequence sequence of uh, Lancelot in there, which is obviously quite an important sequence. I would have cut that sequence because we. I said, can we expand this to like twenty eight pages? And if I said no, I would have worked another way around. It did. It wasn't necessary. I, you know, Lancelot is important to the story, but also not crucial. <laughs> you know, like people would have mm. forgiven me. Uh, you know what I mean? And that's yeah. how you end up editing. And so we're like, I had a whole thing I wanted to do with the Medusa, and it was too stupid. I, I, I would have lost this. Like, do you know? Here's the thing. Do you know Pegasus's origin? No. Do not. Okay, Pegasus's origin is basically Perseus decapitated Medusa, then uh, then Pegasus crawled out of Medusa's neck, and then oh. Perseus flew away on it. Um, also, wow. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I would have loved to have seen Dan draw that. That would have been tremendous. Yeah, yeah. And the best thing is, like, another dude also crawled. Like, so it's, like Perseus and a random guy comes out of Medusa's neck, and it's like, and I just imagine like telling that story. It's like, oh yeah, yeah where'd you get your horse from? What's your horse like? Oh, it's, it's a flying horse, really, and you just don't believe it. But the more you say, oh, yeah, it crawled out of a woman with a snake head's neck. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a guy came out as well. Like that level of life probably is true. Mm. Um, anyway, but like I wanted to do something like that. And, you know, there's a bit where um, Rose has got to get across the country quickly. And mm. I was going to do something like we need to get a ride, in which case you have to decapitate Medusa to get the, the Pegasus to fly across the country, which is a funny and very dumb idea. <laughs> yeah. um, but also entirely doesn't fit the story because we've got space for it. You know what I mean? Like you, you right. make up stuff, uh, you know, and go for it. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. Anyway, oh yes, I know. I was gonna say that. That's why, because I, 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 as as I was reading this, I never thought of it as sort of a, a role playing campaign. And now that you mention it, and thinking about everything that happens every step of the way, holy smokes, it's absolutely yeah. perfect. Yeah, it's like a level each time. 
that's what the leveling up you're right yeah <laughs> yeah there's definitely some serious leveling up too but i'm thinking like you also got all the the, the mini bosses to get to the big boss too right I mean, we get we get lear we get mentions of shakespeare um just, and, and obviously we've seen like a little bit of you talking about other like you know right historical writers in die as well mm. but i'm curious when you look at um all these like side characters that you brought into the mix, be, be it a Beowulf, be it like mention of a Shakespeare, um, Robin or, Hood. Uh, yes, Rob. Oh, Robin. <laughs> Robin Hood was um, the design on that was. I mean, Dan, outstanding job. I mean, outstanding job with everything. But that was one of my favorite things too. I'm curious though of the like non Arthur, not not Arthur. It could be Merlin or whatever. But of all those like other literary characters that you brought into the mix, who was your favorite one to? to you know build their story i tell you what like a lot of it is like you this is actually one of the bits about being in prize this is a lie most books were this like even with die or anything you, you leave room to research to discover stuff so it's like mm. where the gorgon came from was like mm. me discovering that oh where's that the, the the symbol of bath and i used to live in bath so i've seen this every day is this medusa with hair and it's a male medusa and there's not many male medusas in in sort of um it's like mm. a male gorgon or male medusa i could hear right. people i always think it's medusa like honestly like the fact that it's a gorgon like i just you know i know like, you always forget it and it's like yeah. it's like minotaur there's only one minotaur originally but now minotaur is a species that's a different conversation mm. um <laughs> wait, wait, wait. uh the so that moment oh yeah but it's a male Medu male gorgon that's interesting you know what i mean so that's like that was like a just a fun thing to put on the page and obviously dan did what dan did with it and like stuff like leah like you know discovering i never knew i mean did you know that leah was originally a water god no, no. i didn't nope. know that either so like that came from the risk i said oh right that's interesting and then you then through once and futures oh stories can be chained idea that osx somebody trapped leah and made it down just this random king obviously, obviously uh, shakespeare did that <laughs> so you know that kind of like the discovering and what what is the fun story there um hmm. i think that like i must say there was something quite fun about just writing I must be choosing a favorite. It's hard, and I thought I thought it would. I mean, I'll uh, tell you what, though, the idea of William Shakespeare Monster Hunter, though, like that, <laughs> used, we, that needs to be a movie or something, or maybe make that in your next series. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like, there's more. There's more. Like, obviously, we're gonna let's do this. What beat is the spoiler? It's like the final. No, okay, yeah, yep, yep. No, 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 that's fine. I, what? Okay, like the final image is the first time you see Bridget as a young woman, a younger woman rather, mm -hmm. and that's very deliberate. Like, um, and it's always desire you could do flash, and we never did flashbacks to Bridget as a, as a younger person because it's kind of it, what's in, interesting. Is, oh, she's an older person, and you don't get to see those stories. But at the same time, you know, Boom have been forever trying to talk me to doing a younger Bridget mini, you know, uh, and that's fun. You know, I could see the appeal. You know, it's a big universe, and so yeah. it's like, what are the stories which are more interesting to keep unseen, and which ones are more interesting to show? And Shakespeare in that kind of way is fun. You know, especially if you think about what the other ones. I mean, one of my favorite bits of um you sort of tell when I'm running running out of space at the wrong time, but realizing I don't think it's worth doing into further detail. Stuff like the montage sequences. Like I always want to make clear that they have done other stuff here. So we did the montage sequence where this whole killing of a hippie Merlin at Glastonbury, you know. <laughs> yeah. I would have done an entire issue of that very happily. Me mocking Glastonbury and you know, which I love on a very you know, big music fan, been there many times, but it's fun to mock. Um you, you could have done that. And that, that's what the, the spaces are interesting. The same way imagining maybe you know, imagining Sherlock it's not Sherlock Holmes, um, um imagining Shakespeare is almost it's probably better to imagine it rather than do it. Yeah, probably. Uh, so one of the things that this book has done. Uh, and we've we've already mentioned his name a few times, but I was 
not familiar with Dan Moore prior to Once in Future. And within looking at the first cover, I said, yeah, I'm into this guy, right? This, this, <laughs> this, this art is, it, he's become, I think he's my favorite artist. And, and there's some tremendous, I mean, we had Stephanie, we had Stephanie Hans on us last time we talked with you and her art is brilliant. And it's, you know, it's both styles are just completely different of each other, but very beautiful at the same time. How did you get paired with Dan Moore for this book? It was incredible. I tell you what, I was like, hey, yes, you're right. It's like he's just genuinely an astounding artist. Um, mm-hmm. And he, like I said, he's only got better. And it, like seeing him basically do one feature at the same time he's doing the Batman books, that's pretty incredible. That's you know? nuts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, he just worked, he worked, he's fast and good. And he clearly enjoys what he does, which is a great joy to see when he, when he comes up with a cover. Like, so is he a nice like, guy too? Because I always hear that you got to be good, either good, nice, or uh, fast. Two of the three. So I've, heard him, I've only met him once in the flesh at Con, and it was just before the issue started. But he seems to be a sweet. Generally, I feel like I'm a monster. You see, like the photos in the back, he looks such a sweet guy. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, more. Like he's a, he's a superhero as far as I'm concerned. Um, but oh my brain's gone. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> How did you get paired together? Sorry, that was my fault. Oh, this was the easiest part. I said, basically, I just got, this is when once feature happened. Boom just wrote to me saying, hey, um, you interested in doing something? Uh, Dan Moore, you know, Dan Moore is, you know, works with us. He'd be interested, he'd be interested in working with you. Uh, you up for it. You know, and um, the, and the, the deal was very compelling. You know, if it was just saying, like, Dan, you know, yeah. that would have been enough. But, like, he's a really great artist. He's incredibly reliable. He's fast. He's lovely. <laughs> um, just do a book and it'll be fun. And that's the weird thing about Once in the Future. It's like a lot of my books are hard work. And I don't mean that in a... I, I deliberately make like, my make it hard for myself. Mm. But there's something about, like, especially my career, I somehow believe that I have to like be a masochist. Mm. And part of Once in the Future is almost the other way, as in like on a book like, say, Dr. Aphra for Marvel, I have fun. You know, I'm messing around. <laughs> um, yeah. And I thought, let's try doing a, a creator own book a bit more like my work for hire stuff. In that way, as in, have fun, just relax, and that's kind of how once the futures worked. Really, it's been exactly what Boom promised me. It's been really quote unquote easy to do. So I sit down on the page, make up a script for one of the best artists in the business, and and he comes back with wonders. You know what I mean? That's yeah, that, yeah. I think that sort of feeds into the book as well. You sort of feel the the freewheeling, delighted energy of it. As in, are we really getting away with this? Uh, <laughs> so like, you know, yeah, it, it, it was incredible. Everything was easy about the book. As much as a creator own book can be, which yeah, is a, not, not a sentence I like saying because I I feel like very Catholic guilty over it. It should be harder, <laughs> but no, I had a hell of a time. Yeah, I mean, and you had Tamra in the mix too. I mean, the, the oh, you know, geez, we yeah. talk about colorists. I mean, Tamra mm-hmm. is one of the best that there is. There's no question about it. Too. I mean, Tamra's like one of the. I mean, Dan alone would do this by himself, I think. But with mm-hmm. Tamra, what she does is um, she's got really interesting palette choices. It makes everything weird and modern. Let's uh, like um. Fancy can have a risk of feeling quite staid, you know, always the hey, nonny, nonny, uh, medieval stuff, which I like. <laughs> I'm a Tolkien nerd. But at the same time, you know, whilst the way that she does it feels this, you know, there's rave palettes at different places, you know, and everything is genuinely and it feels and the weird stuff feels weird. Uh, and she brings, I mean, like, obviously, in the, one of the defining colouring effects we have in the series is like the every time you go to other world, the palette changes. Yep. Which of course we kind of forgotten because of it the last twelve issues in other worlds, but like and and she just drops these little um, uh, light distortion effects over it and stuff like that. So all the way through, like colors being um, integrated wonderfully, and it really just makes, other world feels otherworldly, which is exactly yes. how you need it. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
So we asked you earlier what sort of you, what was your favorite, you know, character. What was the one character that that you said, Dan, I want you to draw this character and that he came up with and it just absolutely either blew your mind or just became your favorite character that 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 he drew. Actually, I'll tell you like this is all, this is I thought you were gonna ask which is the character you're most disappointed by. Is that someone you you're nice? <laughs> you would never ask that. I'd love to uh, know the answer to that question, yeah. sure. But I'll tell you the design that came back, which I loved, and then was like, oh man, I I, I haven't done enough with her. I loved his Guinevere. Like his Guinevere yes. was really creepy. Uh, and, in, and it's kind of and I forget why I asked him because when I write the sort of the character, it's like here's some ideas for you, go for it. Yeah. Um, like you know, and just give me something which you know and it, sometimes it'll take some sometimes it'll go a different way and it's always i said playful uh, mm-hmm. guinevere's one like oh there's something really interesting about this this faceless beauty and yeah. uh, um and like <laughs> yeah she's something you'd probably get more out of um yeah. if i if i was down the line because this is the other thing i was the future like obviously there's all manner of other british folklore and myths to play with but if we ever did come back there's a load of Arthur stuff i haven't even touched you know people always ask when are you gonna do mordred and it's like i don't know it doesn't fit this story does it but, you know, there's no, there's really big players I have not used, which is pretty amazing. It's like doing a JLA, it's like doing a JLA book and skipping the Flash or whatever. Right. I've really have missed some big characters. Yeah, but you, but I mean, you created so like that. When you talk about like we talk about Grand and Duncan and Rose, I mean, the other one too you mentioned before was Mary. I mean, she's you bring up Guinevere, and I can't think of like her deception in that regard too. She's a real piece of work. I mean, she might be uh, of the the four main characters I, I, outside of the the first Arthur we meet. I'd say those are pretty much the four main. Which one is your uh, your favorite or that you would like to work with more down the line? I say it's like. I mean, Bridget's the heart of the book. I think she's the kind of the, um, oh, like heart brain and also awful black and soul of the book. And like, she's the, there's a, and she was, you haven't mentioned Afra earlier. She's the Afra of the book in that way. And you're never quite sure what she's going to do. Especially when early on, when you, like when she just takes out the sniper rifle and she's going to shoot Galahad. Yeah. Like, you know, like that. That's a, and that's when you really didn't know what she could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, that you don't realize it then, but that's a great, you know, that's a, you know, that's a grandson. Yeah. you know like, yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny what is we always you forget a, that that's crazy because yeah. you, you highlight so much all the time in the course of the story like duncan is your kid too mary like what are you doing but yeah that's all he's I, also yeah, your grandson wow you forget about that because you just see him as such a, a preposterous light for so much of the book <laughs> yeah he, he has a hard time galahad's yeah. whole story oh, gets God. worse and worse and worse yeah. and worse and that's it's like it's the thing don't get trapped in a story that's kind of the um the, mm. the, what's what one of the things we've got in mary's the one i think grew most as a character like i think early on the specific nature of the an- animosity between them wasn't quite nailed down and the more and obviously by the end of the story it's the story mm-hmm. you know this is a story about mothers failing daughters and daughters failing sons and how can cross-generational you know can people forgive are people bad people can people change mm-hmm. um you know like the big sort i mean if you're in a family pitch meeting, it's always it's about family, you know. But yeah. what's the future? Really, in the end, that once you've killed Merlin and all the rest, you know, yeah. it comes down to um, this family: can they actually get past their bullshit? Yeah, uh, you know, it's interesting how you were able to like that's like you said, it's very much at the center of the book. But then you have all this other fantastical stuff going on that like we're consumed with and brought in. But then every once in a while, you bring us back and I guess ground us, and then it's like, nope, we still got the stuff with Mary going on. She's still being a pain in the ass. Like there's still the, the trauma with Grand that we got going on. So it's, it's always there. How many scenes did we have with a sniper rifle pointing at somebody? Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> like, that's like that's like Hellboy's falling through a floor. Once the future is somebody with a gun has the drop on someone else, and now they can actually talk. Honestly, the whole thing is just 
I mean, when I was doing my Star Wars books, what we wanted to always try to do is find ways to Darth Vader to talk to heroes without them just immediately running or trying to kill each other. <laughs> like, like, and, yeah. and that was my my way all the way through Once the Future. Is these people have no reason to talk unless one of them had a gun on the other one, and then. Right. And then you know I did that so many times. It's the only way. Sorry, it's an awful. The only way these people could communicate with threat of violence. You know, yeah, like yeah. What, that, that family's messed up. Very, it's like very the hard. worst Thanksgiving family dinner gone awry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's awful. I mean, um, it's like yeah. No, no, go ahead. No, no I was just like I was just about to like say the same thing again. Like where we end up, you know, it's um, the, the, you know, the I mean, what has what has Bridget learned at the end, and has she, you know, and it's one thing that I could have written that ending and made it quite. Oh yes, Paul. And immediately, Bridget has to undercut the, the happy ending. Yes, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, exactly. And I will comment that in a second. Before we get like hardcore, like like no spoiler filter, and I have the notes for that other thing earlier, so we'll be fine there. But I wanted to ask you one last thing about the the art stuff. So we we, we talked about Stephanie and mentioned her a ton, and obviously in Dan, the, with these two talents being so different from one another, and you having to work with them at the same time. And I know you know with writers and comics, you're obviously balancing a bunch of different artists in in the course of your daily routine and everything. But what's what's it like dealing with those two and trying to highlight their strengths and like the differences? I guess the the, the most notable differences that you have to make um, or change that you have to make as a writer to highlight their work. I tell you what, like whenever actually I teach comic writing, like um, uh, I did a masterclass at the Guardian a few times. But one of my key things is just sh- explaining that what scripts do, um, and scripts are like love letters. It's one of my one is scripts are architectural, and the other one is scripts are like um, love letters. And the set love letters, but in other words, they are personalised. <laughs> and they're designed mm. to be, um, and they and they're designed to inspire. That's the that's the love letter bit. But that's in other words, you're writing for what the artist needs. And at least for me, being a comic writer is working out what the artist needs. Now, some writers don't agree with that. And some really good writers, do, you know, I'm not saying it's my way is the right way. But I'm right. always like, okay, what's this person do? What's this person need? What this person want? I mean, to skip to Tamara for a second, like Tamara said, she said it was a joke annoying me, but I did it all the way through. Um, is that I put at the top of every page, whether it's inside or outside or what time of day it is. You know, so every single page. Oh, you put that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like page one, uh, Overworld external day. And the, every single page has that on. So that's what Tamara needs to know. What is the palette for this page? Oh. And that easy reference. Oh. And something like uh, Jamie asked for, um, Jamie likes at the top of his page saying, put the number of panels on the page. So it's page one, seven panels. So like, you know, at the start, how many panels are. So when you're reading down the script, you know, like you're not not like oh there's another panel you know how you're already planning the page so for me it's like i'm always like okay what do you want from the script and that's why i don't think um a standardized script really works in comics and that's kind of and that's right. an advantage that's not a bug but with dan and Ta- uh, dan and um stephanie okay let's go to the let's throw jamie in the mix here's the third one jamie is a mechanic uh he's very much like me it's like it's like doing dance music with jamie in other words it's, we talk a lot we talk about specific beats he will work to grids very ten- intensely he will um always try to work out how to execute it so like we all my really most pretentious planning stuff i can do with i do with people like jamie and both um dan and stephanie don't work like that in different ways like with the, um dan is um actually do stephanie first stephanie we're also doing a building a fancy world with stephanie that's the thing so a script will be a lot so I like basically, or we're describing everything in the city because you might want to know it because <laughs> we're right. building, you know, we're going to build it on the page. But then at the bottom of like a major panel, I'll do something like literally too long, didn't read. I need, you know, it's like the, the classic example is issue nine of die when you show where the dictators live. 
And it's um, and I write three options, as in I research where in the Bronte's place they could put this dictator tower. So there's I give one example, which is a paragraph, and then a second one, and a third one, which is basically make something up. And the Toulon, <laughs> then the Toulon didn't read is um, I need a big a big a big pyramid building where the dictators are based. You know what I mean? And so like the, that's the problem. If you write really long cap descriptions, you lose the artist, and they don't realise what's important. So right. that's the kind of this summing up thing. It's just definitely simple. I said, this is what's important. We see someone cry. We see, you know, what's the single line? That's why they do with Stephanie. And then Stephanie goes off. And if you, tr I, I would try to write a grid for Stephanie once. And then in the first issue of Die, you've got those six slashes when the dice are handed out. That's what I got back. And it's like, oh no, no, I'm not getting a grid. Uh, so you write, you know that and you write for it. Um, with Dan, Dan's a classic action storyteller. I write for closest to the Marvel style for him, mm. uh, which is very much like, I might try to write minimalistically. Does it always happen? I leave him to interpret more. I throw ideas when I have to in terms of composition. But reality, it's like, let's cut to the basics. The thing with Dan, though, is Dan is not, you know, Dan hasn't been to the UK. So Dan um, doesn't really know this. Uh, so I, I use a lot of reference with that. Like, mm -hmm. it's set in the real world. I, I give Google Maps. I give links to Google Maps so you can walk around the streets and see stuff yourself. <laughs> you oh, know? That's interesting. Like oh. so I was, I read like, and I realized in the first issue, you may see that the Bridget's home doesn't really look like any building in the UK. And that's because like, that's before I was giving reference. So, oh, right, okay, I get it. Oh. Um, and it's like, um, and that's all the way through. So it's that kind of that's what you do to to ground it. I and also giving reference as long as you're not being too anal, it's all quite often a good thing to do for art because artists are gonna have to do it anyway. Right. You know. So yeah. it's like many artists will find that really useful. Say, here is some good stuff for you, God. and that's how I write for them. You know, and especially with Dan, it's like I just want to make feel that Dan's having fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, he had some fun. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, he did. Speaking of fun, we're gonna do the hard spoiler warning right now. So if you're if you've picked up the final issue of Once in the Future, but you have not read it yet, make sure you go read it, then come back and listen to the rest of this conversation with Kieran. Joe, go ahead. So we we've we've mentioned her a few times, but Grant, I she has become one of my all time favorite characters and she's up there she's mount rushmore of top badass female characters uh badass characters period you know sort of all time and so i really grew attached to grant because as we talked about she was a bit of a wild card uh you could <laughs> say you really never knew what she was going to do or was sort of what she had cooking and i can't remember exactly what issue it was it might have been around issue 20 or so like you could tell where we're getting towards the end game here. And there is um there is a you know a, a page or two where she's sort of reflecting and she's kind of you know being a little she's reminiscing a little bit, she's being a little sentimental, and that is wildly out of her character. So I started to get this sense of uh you know foreboding and I started to think, are we gonna lose Grant here? Because if we lose Grant, I don't know if I can handle that. Was there a point when writing once in future that you intended to kill Gran, or was she meant to stay alive, you know, throughout the entirety? I think, like, I think she's probably the most. I don't see what's the future without her. You know, yeah. what I mean, like, I think that, that kind of that's what makes the book interesting because it's an old lady who's mm. it's like it, it, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is an old woman who's retired. That's the kind of core concept. I say a working class Irish, the Buffy, you know, the working class Irish is quite important as well. So, no, I don't, in the same way, I don't see a Spider Man book without Spider Man. <laughs> I think she go. is right. the book. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a, so I, I, I knew she'd probably survive. But you think it's like, you never know, like, um, especially if it's going to end it hard, maybe she'd, she's an old woman, she could very easily die. Um, mm. 
you know, and that's kind of quite important for me to try to keep the physicality of her, not just make her like a superhero. Like, yeah. you know, she all the way through, she's getting tired out and has to be carried occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> I think like all the way through Duncan picking her up when yeah. she needs to. <laughs> you know, I will say I never felt like, you know, you feel like certain characters are going to usually like stay on through the course of the story. They're going to see it through. As much as Gran was at the center of things, I never felt fully safe like that she was oh. always guaranteed going to be okay and i think just because of she's so old yeah, yeah. honestly like and this is this high tension there's lots of places i think like, yeah that's that, that mostly that's the joy correct around comics i think because you know spider-man's probably gonna you know spider-man's gonna survive <laughs> you know yeah. uh but like with the current comics you can't be sure even if they are the lead character you really can't be sure because right. like and that's only part of the, yeah it's quite the you know, it's part of the thrill of it um, yeah, because that was that was the brilliant thing about, and I can't remember again what issue it was, but she's she's sitting at her desk and she's looking through some old letters and and, and I go, this son of a bitch is gonna kill Gran. No, I <laughs> I, I can't <laughs> handle that. <laughs> Look, I'm the, the the letting this the, the softness out over time, and especially because you know there's a bit where Bridget go when we at the end of the first arc when we first lose Mary into the underworld as a yeah. Mary doesn't come home mm. and. Um, she said, "I wasn't. I wouldn't show. I wouldn't have shot her." And very clearly, like Duncan Fix, no, you, you, you know, clearly she thinks she would have, and she's not wrong. <laughs> like they're all kind of like the push and pull between. Like Bridget doesn't really like the person who Bridget is all the time, and that's definitely and the denials and the uh, all that. That's why. That's why I find her really. That's why I find her most interesting. Yes, yeah, she's a badass, but like, um, <laughs> there's there's so many layers of like. Yeah, complexities there. I don't know, yeah. and that's why we I like, like her as a badass. But she doesn't necessarily like that about her because she's always got to be like on in that capacity. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. I mean, being the badass it means you have to be the badass. It's it's hard. You know, it means you can't let anyone too close. You've got, and and she definitely has regrets. That's the other thing. You know, like I wish I was less of a badass than my daughter. You know, and that's hard, uh, especially when like her daughter was also you know someone yeah. who Bridget helped turn into that person. Um, yeah. But things like, you know, that, that whole kind of the, the nostalgia. Yes, I mean, the nostalgic scene was very much planned to sort of tweak the, because you would remember it. And of course, that's how the ending happens in terms of, oh, no, it's all part of a plan. You know, that that, that, that draw was always going to be, you know, and it's it's a very me thing to do to set up the photo that she looks at in the final panel and vomit. So she knew all the way back that was the plan. Right. <laughs> yes. That was nuts, yeah. That was the thing, and that's actually what I was going to say before. I like, we're talking about the ending, you know, getting ahead of ourselves. I when, when that when she goes to call and tell them like you have to vomit, it's like nope, she stopped herself. She didn't do it, and I feel like so many times we see that in stories where they want to like you want they want to bring that person back into the mix because they need them because they're helpful. They're their right hand people or whatever, and now it's like no, like stop yourself let them go and live their lives. Maybe we'll see them or screw them over again. Who knows? But I just, I thought that was a really nice touch where there's like a little bit of peace for at least some of the people that were in this map. Thank you. Honestly, that was the bit when I, when I had that ending, I was, I knew it was right. You know, it was, it feels emotion and it feels right for Bridget, especially everything that was happened with Mary, you know, and it's like, that's the kindest thing Bridget could do to somebody. Um, so yeah, it's like, it, yeah. It gave me, you get, I find when I have an idea, if it's really if it really upsets me, it's probably what I want to do. If I move, if I something moves me when I have that idea, I think yeah, that's probably what I want. Uh, yeah. And that's that was definitely what I had. And I was like, oh yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it was. It, and by the way, speaking of Mary again too, like when as I'm reading it and I'm like, they're in the underworld and all this stuff. Like, are they gonna do this one last this one last fucking thing? And it's like, look back. No. Oh my gosh, you can give her a happy ending, but it makes sense. Makes sense that she doesn't get a happy ending. It's like, it's like look back, and it's like yeah. 
never yeah, it's a story about people not wanting to look back i'm yep. i'm going to be that literal <laughs> you know there's like there's nothing that's not subtle <laughs> oh, but it worked it worked it, it was it was perfect I, at the same time i was like oh let's give mary a little bit of peace nope not happening yeah um but when we talk about character arcs too, I mean, like Grand is the most badass. Duncan is like the the one that like at least a lot of the male readers can kind of attach themselves to, see themselves through, because he's kind of the every man in this story. But then we have Rose, who is also starts out as very much the every woman in this story as well. But then she goes and has like the craziest transformation of everybody. And in the course of all this, I'm waiting for her to get the literal axe because of because of the Green Knight. And she fucking gets it. And then you bring her back. I just want like, can you take us through when you realize that you were going to um, you know, develop her so much more and the twists and turns that you're going to throw at us along the way? I think I mean, I knew in the second arc. So the third arc when I was I've got to bring her up. You know, this this is the arc I was going to do uh, more Rose and um, uh, Mary. Mm. Um, so like, and I thought bring the Green Knight in. Um, so I I would put her, you know, I put her head on the on the chopping block. So mm. I knew I got, by that point I knew I was going to go further than eighteen because I wouldn't have, you know, you could see that story stretching onwards. But yeah. um, I must have known early on because I knew because you know I put the the scabbard in mm -hmm. the um, so I knew early on. That she no, will steal the scabbard, she'll wear it, and she'll survive that way. You know, I knew that that was already, I had the solution at the start, I think. I'm saying I think because I really can't be sure. I'd have to go through <laughs> my notes. Um, and then it was like, I, it must be, it's like in the final episode, you know, when she becomes Arthur. Like, I actually saw some reviews saying, oh, it's a bit, uh, actually, reviewed to be very positive, but I'd say, oh, it's a bit out of the blue, maybe. No, I set it up, she was adopted and she had no, they didn't know her parents were. I think I said that up in issue like 20 or so, like when they go to visit her parents, like her parents talk about it. <laughs> um, so it's like, no, that's been on the table for a while. I probably put it too subtly, but um, yeah. Yeah, well, it's so, definitely one of those things that could fly under the radar, but I mean, when we both read it, it was just like, oh, fuck. Like, the, now it's all in play and everything like that. Yeah, it was, it was, and we, well, the way, uh, for me, I actually had forgotten that you'd set those things up. But oh, no, no, me, absolutely. But yeah. for me, it's just, what as I'm reading it, you've set the, the, the stage for, like, anybody can take any role on in any of the stories that we're dealing with, whether it be the Arthur story or Beowulf or, or the Green Knight, whatever, anybody can take on a certain role. So you can never be comfortable. You never know what can happen. I just never thought about someone else becoming an Arthur. Yeah, it's tricky. Like, um, I mean, such a, I mean, it's a bit I really like because it's, it's it's weird because like you, what we're doing is playing game. You want to both, you know, the shape of the story, and then you see it play out, and it's still a surprise. That kind of like, oh, someone's going to draw the sword from the stone. Who? And then you're happy to see it. Uh, and like, I mean, it's a story about who. I must say, like, if you're going to, if I step back and put my critic hat on, uh, I'm mind putting a hat on, which is a bit embarrassing and won't be on podcast. If I put my critic hat on, it's like we've got warring ideas what Arthur is. So clearly, the person who wins the battle will be a modern Arthur. And the idea of a modern Arthur would be someone like Rose, someone like Rose drawing the sword, you know? And it's mm -hmm. about a conversation between what Arthur means and any. I mean, that, that's what the book's about, but also the book is part of the conversation. <laughs> what's right. the future is an Arthurian story. So if there was an, a once the future in a hundred years time, I would be including this, you know, future me would be re referencing this story as part of the idea of what Arthur has meant at different times in the English history. Mm. Um, so like for me, like all that sort of thematically ties in, but in the real level, it's like really badass Rose, you know, especially yeah. like it's the high end. I mean, as, a, as somebody who obviously loves fiction as well, the, oh my God, she's dead. Oh no, she's alive. And she's got the sword and, you know, she's killed yeah. Arthur. And, you know, the, the, the roller coaster of, of genre fiction is a joy. 
And it's a yeah. great look. Yeah, another great look. Oh, oh. that was going to say, I was ready to finish going to jump on it and say, what an amazing look. My God. Yeah. And and one of my favorite bits, too, it was this great little, you know, because there's, there's a lot of really great comedy throughout, like just funny bits throughout the series. But when Duncan grabs the sword and tries <laughs> to pull it, he's like, eh, just had to check. Right? I, I, I laughed out loud at that because it's like, because part of me was like, Oh come on, Duncan, do it! And I was like, "No, nah, no, nah, it can't be Duncan." But that that just cracked me up. I'm glad, honestly. Like the the the, the, the mixture of action and comedy is really important to the book, and horror as well. You know, like it's a it's a fun I said it's a fun book to be with. It's it's all the stuff I like. You know, people have actually that was probably the the hardest thing about the book was when to tone down the comedy. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Like you want some bits to be scary, and, and if you're if you're if characters are making too many jokes at certain times, it becomes less risky. By making jokes, you're signalling they're not going to die, unless there's certain kinds of jokes. You know what right. I mean? And there's yeah. definitely times I've deleted comedy. Um, uh, but you know that's that's the job, and it's fun to do. Yeah, this is this is a book that I'm very much looking for now that I've I've you know read you know the final issue, going back and reading and trying to pick up on all those little subtleties that you added that I. Obviously, you know, missed or you just got sort of forgotten about throughout reading because we mentioned it with Rose, right? Like when the Green Knight stuff was first happening, oh shit, she's gonna <laughs> get it at some point. And then a lot happens in between. And then when you see him go, oh, he's back. And then and then and then your jaw drops when he when he when the, when the piper comes. And then and then that moment when when she were, I mean, like that whole arc just in and of itself like condense it down was so was so awesome but this is a book i think really will lend itself to to multiple readings thank you i hope so like, honestly like when i got into comics like i was I mean, when i got to, as an adult i was basically working in the magazines I had no social time because i okay i did have a lot of social time i just spent the time clubbing um but like the only time i had to read was um uh like i had, I had long baths so I really, and I, if I started a novel, I couldn't finish it because, and then I couldn't know when the next bath would be. Not that I was dirty, just because I didn't know the next time I'd have a break. But like, something I'd read an hour in the bath, that's a graphic novel or a comic. So, but I read stuff, you know, I read like trades. And, but and then you can reread trades quicker. That's the other thing. Like yeah. I've, I've read comics more times than I've ever read books because you, they're faster to read. So like the stuff... So you get more and more stuff when you reread. That's why I love something like Watchmen. So this, what I always try to do is I like to reward the reread. Like the fact it's quicker to reread makes me try to make people, okay, you like it first time, you'll probably like it maybe even more the second time. You know, and it, it, that's, especially as comics are so bloody expensive. Like I also want to like reward people by making, hey, you can read it twice, <laughs> at least. I mean, yeah. something like Wick Dip was always like, the fact that Wick Dip changed its big, big reveals every like 10 issues or so. And that completely changes what you've just read as well. It means that you basically reinvented the book every 10 issues and that those book, those is old issues have disappeared because your new understanding means yada, yada, yada. Anyway, I love it. I love rereading. So I hope it works for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. So we mentioned this and we sort of talked about this a little bit where, you know, the, with the ending of Once in Future, you know, it's, it's you know you you end the story but you leave the, the the door open just a little bit and at the end i would advise everyone to sort of read the letter that you wrote at the end of the issue because you you talk about why uh you 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 worded the way you ended it the way you did versus how sort of maybe the editors or boom wanted you to possibly you know write that little bit there but have you already started thinking about okay if i were to pick this back up again where i'd go with it and started you know jotting some of those ideas down uh 
I'm sort of pausing there because it's like um, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like not that I'm doing it deliberately, but I, I have I've had like I must have had scribble notes that if I was going to continue, like I could have gone through issue 31 and just gone straight into whatever I wanted to do next. I don't know. Actually, a break's good for us all. But like, yeah, I've certainly got like what I think the next major situation is. And I've got like a few status quo things. Um, but in reality, I think I'll go away, chew them over and then probably come up, come up with something completely different. Um, gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this. At least one of the things I wanted to do is set up already. Like that's oh, I mean, like there's, nice. there's something I'd, like you I don't I won't say you'll spot it if you reread it because it's deliberately hidden. But like it's the sort of thing that only that if we ever do something with what I was thinking, you'll go, oh right, this was set up here. Uh, so that there's at least one door we've left open. Nice. Nice. I like that a lot. So I mean when when you found out that we were the, you actually you said it, we're the first people that you're doing a show with that you can talk about the the this the series. And I'm curious, what was the one thing that you were itching to talk about regarding this series that like to just let everything out there um that you couldn't talk about till issue 30 came out. Oh honestly like the, the road stuff is good, but like honestly the I think actually the whole uh, uh left water sit stuff, just the ending. That's that kind of like mm. how we all yeah, all the stuff we've talked about basically. Gotcha. In terms of the um you so know, you did a good job, Joe. Look at that. Yeah. Like, you, you've been interested in the stuff which I wanted people to be interested in, which I think is a victory for all of us. Yes. Yeah. For all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when this isn't necessarily getting into the spoils, but now that you're you're done, at least with once in future, and of course, again, can do stuff with Bridget or someone else if you want to um, in the property down the line. But what's the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself as a writer throughout the experience? That's a really good question. Um, I say, like you're right. All I think is it's cemented my confidence to be able to pull this off. You know what I mean? Like I think also like you know, I said earlier, edit. Like my kind of like one of my general notes is here and edit some plot stuff out. I should probably edit a bit. And I that's interesting about Walter Future. There's few there's a few traps I think I fall into quite regularly as a writer, and I still fell into here as an I overcomplicate. And it, my stories get to a point where I realise it's people are. I think people are getting lost now. I need to simplify it and re-explain everything, <laughs> um, you know, and maybe I'm getting better at it, I think, hopefully. But like, um, I think it's like, I think the main thing, like doing something fun is entirely fine. That kind of, it doesn't have to be such like working uh, down the mines, you know, mm -hmm. like the, the idea that, you know, Kim, you're allowed to have some fun um, and that's good for you. And it's also good for the readers. You know, that's the kind of like, I think that's. I think that might be it. I think. Okay. Like the idea, you know, this is. Um... It makes sense. I mean, like based on what you said earlier, I, I was wondering if it was going to be that, but I was. I wanted to like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's definitely. Here. It's maybe. I mean, obviously, I've just. I've just had it, my first kid. Uh. So like, like family. Is my, thank you. Uh. But like, the 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 family is so deeply rooted in there. So it's mm -hmm. like it was really. This is what I've learned, but something I'm glad I did. It really allowed me to sort of think about my own sort of family background. I mean, Bridget is inspired by my grand. Like. Not my grand. My grand was never a monster hunter, but like the the sort of the, the the core of Duncan and Bridget was, you know, she came over to the island to work when she was fourteen, uh, and you know, and I can't, you know, I was the first kid in the unit, my generation of family to go into you know the first person from my family to go to university, I think. So you know what I mean? Like there's that that kind of gap, and that's kind of where the 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 gap between Duncan and Bridget came from, despite being close in so many other ways. Um, and so really digging into that that person, I mean not. I don't oversell the level of Duncan is, is me and Bridget is what's the grad because that's just not true. <laughs> but at the same time, like really made you think about family. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that was it. I mean, I feel very 
I've said this before many times, but like, I feel very lucky to be a writer in that way. Yeah. It's not, you get to really sort of sit and ask yourself hard questions and see what turns up. And it's and people seem to like it, which is nice. Just don't turn your kid into Mary. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> As someone who yes. doesn't have a kid. Um, no, no, exactly. Like, I, honestly, you sort of see my fear of like, I, am I going to mess up with Iris? You know, uh, like, in, like if I really mess up, like, is it going to be Galahad? You know, there's a lot of parental fear. <laughs> in, you know, right, like, yeah. So you joke if you're reading my eternal stuff. How much is like, how much of my fear of like messing up being a parent is in um, uh, Mentor and Susan when they're raising Thanos? As in, we rerun have a kid. Oh no, it's turned out to be Thanos. You know, that's a hundred percent like my. Uh, I, that fear does it go away. My my daughter's five, <laughs> and it's it's. It's. I tell you what, that first week when we brought her home, I tell this story all the time because we were in the hospital for a week, and then, and then, you know, before you leave the hospital, I don't know how to do in the UK, but they have these little baby low jack systems here with these little bracelets. So like, if the baby gets within like five feet of a door, it like closes and locks, so you know, someone can't you know abscond, you know, with your child. But I remember just leaving the hospital for the first time, going, there, no one's stopping me. They're letting me walk out of here, you know, with this child. And then you're at home and I was up every two seconds. Is she breathing? Is she breathing? And I'm looking for the button to hit for the nurse, you know, and there's no nurse coming. Like, so it's like, you know, just this is constant, this constant fear. No, no, no. Raising a child. Total fear. As in, are they still breathing is, is so much right. Um, but the, but you, what you describe is like when me and my wife rolled uh, Iris out the, the hospital, it was like, they can't let us go. They can't trust us with a right. child. So yeah. you know, the police, the police will turn up any second. You know, it's yeah. such a yeah. yeah. Um, so one quick sidestep from all of this once in future stuff. Um, you are a huge Lord of the Rings fan, correct? Yes. I mean, so like, there's bigger, but like, I'm a big fan. Yeah. But you're significant. Like, you okay? So, how have you been watching the show? I was curious how you feel about it. I have. I'm not up to date. Uh, so I, neither I'm, am I. Okay. Good. I, I, I missed the right. last. Where like oh you guys you, missed a good one oh it's fucking I've heard it my mum was my mum's watching and she's told me a bit about it uh like she had to stop because actually I don't want to say anything because I don't want to spoiling it for Joe um but yeah I'm like I'm mostly enjoying it the thing is I'm quite I'm very relaxed about adaptations because they're adaptations yeah you know, even right. the, you know the, the Jackson movies were significant changes from the books sure and like and especially I think that partly comes because my way into Tolkien was through various media. Like, I think I played the Hobbit video game on the Spectrum first, which is a text oh. adventure. You know, oh, like so. My, my the idea of Middle Earth lives kind of outside of any one individual text for me, which is ah. completely ironic because it is literally the and even like, the more you study Tolkien, the more you realise there's quite often multiple answers in you know, especially the unfinished. You know, there's so much stuff that's unfinished, just to be edited and whatever. It's mm -hmm. really hard to say there's an original text there because Tolkien's notes weren't complete and they're contradictory. Right. So yeah. I, I'm I'm willing to go with it in, in its choices. There's a couple of weird things I'm not entirely on side with, but most of them I just roll with. Like mm -hmm. also, the the idea of elves having batteries seems a bit weird. But I can sort mm -hmm. of get the, uh, I, I get as a story. I really like Elrond. Uh, yeah, Elrond and dwarf friendship is a uh, is what I'm all for. Oh, yeah. oh, hundred yeah. percent. It's been my yeah, favorite yeah. thing. Who do you think the stranger is? I think I would feel treated if it's literally not Gandalf. I think yeah. it's I think it's uh, deceptive. Yeah, uh, and I would. I think it would be anti-Tolkien's intent, mm -hmm. and I mean like a Tolkien story. And obviously, you could talk about when the when the the wizards turned up, yep. but like I, I, mean, I haven't seen the latest episode. But like I think playing it straight is the bravest thing to do because because um because Gandalf Zero is interesting. Yes, it is. You know what I mean? Like that. I would don't just happily see weirdo Gandalf hang out with some weirdo hobbits, um, and like 
the the other options don't appeal enormously. But I did I joked on Twitter it's Mephisto, <laughs> and let's do it's like it's going to be part of the MCU. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> You don't even realize how funny that is with us. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Imagine people's heads explode. Oh, my God. That would be the greatest thing. So many people are so mad already, and now you're going to do that. Oh, my God. That is that is uh, – I I like that theory. I've been wondering if it's one of the blue wizards. That would be kind of cool to get that. That was my – I always wanted to put the odds, and the blue wizards are quite low down the list, obviously. It'd be fun, like, a completely different wizard. I mean, I said this is a betrayal. I think I was overselling it. But for me, it's like – it feels a bit – I'm not interested in the mystery, I think, is the thing. Oh, interesting. As in, like – and that's why I think it, that's why I've sort of settled that it's probably Gandalf because it's just because it being anyone else isn't interesting enough. Mm. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's it's it, I I thought I thought it was Gandalf, but then I looked stuff up and it's like it probably isn't Gandalf because of the way like he, when he came into the wizards came into the mix. Yeah, but the thing is, if you look at some more, there's there's uh, there's contradictory. This is always more. There's the one. Okay, I only got this. I didn't use this myself, but the uh, there's the one everyone uses that they arrived much later. But there's right. also the uh, there's a, there's something in unfinished tales apparently about the wizards arriving earlier, as in circa. So there was, there's at least as far as okay, I haven't checked this myself. There's at um, least one t- one bit of the text which implies that no, it could be the wizards now. You know, like that's the thing. It's uh, like, wow. Like, well, okay. it's it's how it's how I mean, the wizards came in, right? It's totally on brand for how how the wizards were first. And I'm hoping it's Radagast. Oh, yeah. That'd be freaking hilarious, right? I mean, there's a, I, I was always a big fan of Radagast. Uh, so, like, all, more Radagast is good. Uh, you get only gets ever more stoned, as in, like, this is as sensible as ever was. That explains why he's confused. Yeah. Uh, uh, real left turn, Tom Bombadil. Right? Tom, <laughs> no, Tom, that would be too far. Tom Bombadil has always been here. Uh, he's here from an older age. We must take Tom Bombadil yeah. very seriously. I, tell, uh, I did a, I wrote, um, I wrote, there's a game called Trophy, which is like a, a horror fancy game deconstructionary thing. And I, did, I wrote an adventure for it, uh, which is basically folk horror Tom Bombadil, which if you if you actually read the if you read the whole that section and read it through the eyes of, oh, no, this person kills people. Uh, there's a real <laughs> kind of like um, Wicker Man-esque vibe to him. And I'm really uh, called Boots of Red, implying that he kind of. Uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll stick it out one day. A Tom Bombadil serial killer story. I'll read the hell out of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like the Winnie the Winnie the Pooh horror movie that oh, we're getting geez. soon. Yeah. Oh, it's like it's much like it's, I think it's better if you win it as an adventure in that way because it's the whole thing just feels wrong because the way it's like yeah. the what's the I've got the name of his wife Gold what, what's the River Gold River is that uh, something like that Yeah, I've been rereading yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings recently and I, I, I yeah, but it's just ragging at the moment. I know. Yeah, right? I mean the reveal is like the previous four hobbits who disappeared into the woods are sewn together into this like man, <laughs> and the idea that the, 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 the who is the husband changes constantly in the, in the way of the kind of the. Uh, uh, the white goddess type old uh, mythology stuff. The idea is always a new husband, and it's whoever comes into the woods. And that's how Tom Bombadil is, uh, oh, and, and you know it's all that kind of vibe. Anyway, oh man, but <laughs> Karen, we have taken up enough of your time, and we really appreciate you taking time again to talk with us. Of course, if for those who haven't listened to our conversation with Karen and Stephanie about Die, go back and check that one out, and check out that series. And one of my favorites, um, as is Once in Future. Um, if you ha- if you've been behind on things in Once in Future, and for some reason fast forwarded to the end, make sure you go get the trades and catch up and everything. An amazing series. Uh, we really appreciate you taking time to put a, a punctuation mark on both series with us. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks very much for having us. Oh yeah. And thank you again. As I said, these are two of my all time favorite books. So thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. 
I like Nick's just like, I'm out. All right, we're yeah. done. <laughs>